food and eat. Sugar frosted flakes, you know. Go out and pick it up. You won't put milk on them from the goats, you know, cows, whatever, you know. <laughs> they had everything, man. Quail. I know. Gospel bird, you know. That's why they call chicken gospel bird, you know. It just fall up. <laughs> I mean, he has everything for you. You know, figs, baskets. Guys go out and pick up a basket of figs and nuts and all that stuff. They had everything. And they weren't happy. Don't let that spirit get on us. Amen. <laughs> Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Well, let's get in our lesson again tonight. Amen. We've been talking about growing friends, and I know you guys, since last week, you've got made about 10 new friends already this week, you know, and you got a lot of new friends, and, right? Y'all got a lot of new friends? Amen. Because the Bible says, he that will have friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that stick it closer than a brother. Amen. A man that will have friends must show himself friendly. You know, and, and it comes down to this thing that, you know, God always, man, he just always put the responsibility on us. You ever notice that? <laughs> he just seems to open up and say, okay, you want it, you're responsible for it. You know, and, and that's the way it should be. You know, it's the same way God says, if you think somebody did you wrong, then he puts the responsibility on you to go to him and get it right, ask for forgiveness. <laughs> you know, and that's the way it should be. See, he has our best interests at heart. And so he that will have friends must show himself friendly. So what are some ways we can show ourselves friendly? You know, be kind and considerate of one another. You know, share with one another. Listen to one another. Amen. Help one another. Reach out to one another. Amen. As I said last week, in the church, man, we should be running over with friends. We got the same blood flowing through our veins. You know, we've all been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We all say we have the Holy Ghost. You know, so there should be no division in the body of Christ. You know, and I'm still trying to figure this thing out. Why we can't get along? You know, if we got the Holy Ghost, God is God of peace. He's a God of righteousness. He's God of truth. So there should be no schism in the body, Paul says. And so, therefore, we should be friends one with another all the time. We should be encouraging, edifying, building up, and strengthening one another all the time. There should be no division between any and the body of Christ. Because he's not divided. He's one. He or Israel, the Lord our God, is one Lord. Right? Paul says in Ephesians 4, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father all, who's above all, through all, and in y'all. You know, <laughs> so, so, you know, so we in the body of Christ should be friends. There should be no schism. There should be no backbiting. There should be none of this stuff in the body of Christ. Because if it is, you know what we're doing? We're giving it that. We're just, we're just working for the devil. Because that's what he wants. See, is he wants you to hate one another. He don't want you to get along in the family of God, see? But you have to take the responsibility. You have to be the bigger of the two or the three or the four of the crowd 
and say, it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to let someone prevent me and turn my heart away from God. I can't allow that to happen. As my pastor taught me, if anyone else has come between you and God, that individual is closer to God than you are. So you cannot allow things and people to cause you to turn away from God and get far away from God. you got to get as close to God as you can. So if you're going to have friends, you have to learn how to show yourself friendlies. Friends is essential, precious in times of trouble. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you want to go there in your Bibles real quick, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I think it's 4. Yeah, I'll start with verse 9 through verse 12. Solomon says here that in chapter 4, Ecclesiastes verse 9, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he have not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. See? So two is better than one. You want to have friends. You want to have people that you can talk with and people that's going to edify you, people that's going to lift you up, people that's going to encourage you, amen, and and help you. You want somebody that's going to help you get to that end point that you're trying to get to. We all should have a mentor. We should all have a pastor. We should all have someone that's going to help and build us and encourage us uh, to get to the places that we are trying to get in our lives. We're not going to make it by ourselves. Amen. We need one another. If you get become the long ranger, you just got taken out by the enemy of your soul. If you ever watch uh, the old days, I used to love to watch the, the Wild Kingdom and stuff, and they always shows the animal out there by himself and all that stuff. You know, usually what happens? The lions get. You know, something gets him, you know, but usually if they're together or are working together and a crew are together, the enemy can't get to them because you have someone to warn you, someone to direct you and to help you. You know, true friends loves us unconditionally. He loves in time of separation. A friend loves whether the object of his love is present or absence and will, if need be, defend his friend's character. He'll stand in the gap. He'll fill in the spots. He won't let pe- people talk about you. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll go to bat for you in any way, shape, form, or fashion that he can. Proverbs 17, 18 says, A man void of understanding striking hands and becomes surety in the presence of his friend. We talked about this last week, about not co-signing for people, not unless you make sure that you know your friend. You know, because Solomon says, why is it going to take your bed out from under you, you know, if you ain't got anything to pay? So be careful. Don't don't co-sign with people unless you really know that they are your friend, that they're going to fulfill what they say that they're going to fulfill. Because, you know, if not, you could wind up with some serious, serious trouble in your life. 
So remember that as well. Amen. Some of the benefits we was looking at last week. Amen. A best friends make you smile for any reason or even without a reason. They're always trying to bring some encouragement to your soul. A best friend makes you stress free because you got somebody you can talk to. You got someone you can confine in, someone to help you along the line. A best friend allows you to be yourself. You, you can just be yourself because they know everything about you. Amen. A best friend give you effective criticism. Man, that sweater looks terrible. Get out of it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, that don't match you. You know, some things like that. They, they do stuff to help you to look your best and, and stuff. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Amen. But a best friend is committed. You, you've got, they've got to be committed to the friendship. You know, if they, you tell somebody you're going to be their friends, you have to be committed. The thing you find out about commitment is it's got one eye in the middle of it, in the word commitment, as one eye. And that means if it's going to be any commitment, guess who's going to fall on? Follow me. I have to be committed to my marriage. I have to be committed to God. I've got to be committed to my job. You know, commitment is important. So if I tell you I'm your friend, then i got to be committed to it. It's not, a hey, I'm going to be your friend and that's it. You know, I got to do things to encourage you, to strengthen you, to check up on you, to follow up on you, to help you. I want to know about you. See, so we have to have commitment, commitment. And then we have to have trust. If I can find something in you, then as my friend, I don't want you to go tell everybody else. See, you know, it's not telephone, telegraph, you know, (laughs) Tell a woman, <laughs> no, no, I, I, no I, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> and trust. We got to trust one another. You know, the same way the Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding, right? We have to be able to trust. And with that trust, you know, we can confide. We can help one another. Let's look at First Samuel. Chapter 18, 1 Samuel chapter 18, and then we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 19. This familiar passage of scripture. Uh, most of you probably know it by heart. You've read it a thousand times in your walk with God. Start with verse 1. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knitted with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Verse 2, And Saul took him that day and would not let him go any more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and his bow and to his girdle. Notice, they was knitted together. In other words, they was tight. Amen. They they came together. Jonathan was willing to get rid of his own armor and give it to David. Amen. It was something that Jonathan saw that David was selected to be the next in charge, not him. Even though under the Hebrew law, Jonathan would have been the next king in line. 
But Jonathan realized that David was already chosen to be the next king. He saw something through that. And so Jonathan went about to help his friend. He was knitted together. And you notice what he's doing. Jonathan does not get jealous or anything about David's elevation. He's immediately helping him to go higher. He's uh, realized that my role now is to help him to be the next king. He takes his robe and give it to him as an assist to say, you're going to be the next guy, not me. So therefore, you might as well take it now and I'm going to support you 100%. And I'm going to do everything I can to help elevate you to that position. That's what good friends do. That's what true friends do. They do not get jealous of you, amen, if you get selected for promotion over them. They do not get jealous if you're chosen for a position or anything above them. Their overall goal is to help you. They want to lift you up. They want to edify you. They want to build you up as quickly as possible. Amen. And that's what Jonathan is saying here with David. And they have built a covenant. And I don't know the words of the covenant, but I'm sure it was something to, to the effect that, hey, I'm here for you. Anytime you need me, I'm going to watch out for you. I will alert you. I'm going to help you every way I can to be successful in the kingdom of God. That's what friends do. Amen. They warn you. They protect you. Now look at chapter 19, starting with verse 1. We know the jealousy now of Saul that gets of David after David is starting to have success in his life. Now notice verse chapter 19. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. You know, he allowed jealousy to get into his heart. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father seeks to kill thee. He's giving him warning. You know, he, he, he says, my dad is out to kill you, man. You need to be aware of this. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning and abide in a secret place and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand before my father in the field where thou art. And I will commune with my father of thee and what I see that I will tell thee. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David, because he have not sinned against thee, and because his work have been to towards thee very good. For he did put his life in his hands and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought the great salvation for Israel. Thou sawest it and didst rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood? to say, slay David without a cause. And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. So we see here that Jonathan told David in their covenant, I'm going to keep you informed. I'm going to be, make you aware. Amen. So he began to share with him. and let Look, he stood in the gap for David. Saul wants to kill him. Jonathan says, Dad, what has he done? He, he's always did something good. He's trying to help the kingdom of God, you know. And so as a result, they made a league one another. I'm going to keep you informed. And this is what true friends do. They keep each other informed of danger. 
of things that could come and cause them trouble or cause them heartaches. Amen. Good friends, amen, will comfort you when you're under stress and under pressure. And when you, when you keep reading First Samuel, you will see that this is what happens. Jonathan goes out. He meets David. He talks to David. He encourages David, you know, throughout the process. He listens. A good friend will listen to you. They will encourage you. They will support you and your duties and role. Amen. And they will be present when you need them to be present to help you in what you are trying to accomplish. As I said early, they won't give up on you. They'll look out for you. They will help you. We see also that the Bible tells us there's a friend that stick it closer than a brother. Jesus called his disciples. If you go to John 15, he says to his disciples in John 15, I have called you what? Friend. Amen. Let's look at that real quick here. John chapter 15. Starting with verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. See, your true friends want you to have joy. They want you to be edified. They want you, they don't like to see you distressed. They don't like to see you feeling sad or discomfort. They want you to have joy in your heart. Amen. This is my commandment that you love one another that as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man that would lay down his life for his friends. Will you lay down your life for your friends? Will you take a shot? Would you take a bullet for your friends? Amen. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I commend you. See, the word of God commands us throughout. There's commandment. Solomon says, I mean, David says in Psalms 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. The statutes of the Lord is right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure. They enlighten our eyes. In other words, they open it up where we can see. You know, what God wants us to do. He commands us through his word. And see, if we love him, if we say he's my friend, then I have to do what he's asking of me to do. You're my friends if you do what I command you. Are you his friend? Okay. Henceforth, if I call you not servants, for the servants know not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father. I have made known unto you. Notice he imparts. He shares with them. He gives them truth. He gives them understanding. He gives them instructions so that they know. Okay. If I'm your friend, I'm going to share things with you. Because I want you to be informed. I want you to know. I want you to have an understanding of what is transpiring and what is going on so that you're aware so it will help you to grow and to keep your joy within you. See? But if you notice when Jesus is arrested in the garden, what happens? 
What happens when he's arrested in the garden? Huh? Everybody flees. They ran and left him. They left him all alone. See? They left him by himself. Were they his friends? Fear allowed them to get away. Now let's go to First Timothy, Second Timothy, excuse me, chapter four. Go to Second Timothy, chapter four, with me, real quick. Start with verse nine. Second Timothy, chapter four, verse nine. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Paul, Paul is in prison now. Here. Notice, he's in prison. It says, do thy diligent to come shortly unto me, for Demas has forsaken me. Wow. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this pleasant world, and has departed in Thessalonica. Christians to Galatia, Titus to Demacia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark. Bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Take Tychias, and Tychias have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas and Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the carpersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou ware also. For he have greatly withstood our words. At first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Notice, Paul says they all forsook me. I pray that God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, he says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Notice, Paul says, everybody left me when he needed somebody to be there. It seemed like they all just left. That should never be in the church. If we say we are brothers and sisters and friends one of another, We should always be there one for another. We should not forsake one another. Paul says, they all forsook me. Nobody stood with me, he said. He says, but I pray that God don't hold it to their charge. See, because we'll be snared with the words of our mouth. If I make a vow and don't keep it, then it's better that I had never made it. See, God wants us to be friends one with another and stand up for one another and encourage one another and build up one another. And Paul says, nobody stood with me. He said, but that's okay. God stood with me. 
See, why would God stand with them? Because he's a friend that will stick closer than a brother. He's already said, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. So God is always going to be there. He can't deny himself. God is immutable. He's unchangeable. He can't change who he is. This is why Paul wrote back in the second chapter to Timothy. He said, this is a faithful sin. If we be with him, we shall live with him. If we deny him, he's going to deny us. He can't deny himself, right? He's still going to be faithful. God is always going to be faithful. Say. So he calls you his friend. He's going to be faithful at his friendship. See? So we have to make sure that we are faithful like him. If I say I'm of him, then I've got to be like him. Amen. As we saw last week, as we were studying in the scriptures and we began to look at it, you know, we got to be friendly. we got to be kind. We've got to be helpful. we got to be supportive of one another. People are struggling. People are going through things in their lives. And we need to build up and edify the body of Christ. We're in this thing together. You are my brother. You are my sister. So take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we can stand. We've got to have the attitude of Jonathan and David. We've got to be start being knitted together. Amen. His bloodline needs to run through all of us. It needs to just be able to weave through and, and build this thing that he's putting us together, his church. We are blocking the church. Amen. If you ever notice anything about brick land, amen. Sometimes, amen, they chop off a, a piece of brick because it doesn't look like it needs to be used. And he discarded He throws it to the side, you know. But later on, as they put the building together, they get higher and higher and higher. All of a sudden, they may get to a spot, and all of a sudden, they need just a little piece. And then that masonry will go around and he'll look and he'll find that piece that he discarded and he'll pick it up and he'll look at it and he'll bring it back. And for some reason, that piece he discarded will fit right in that place exactly like he wanted it. Amen. To make it complete. You know, sometimes you might feel like you've been discarded. The world has just walked all over you, discarded you, thrown you away. But God knows where you are, and you might be that piece that he just needs to put right in the building to fit. Amen. The psalmist said, the stone which the builders refuses become the head corner, stone of the corner. He said, this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. When God puts you in that spot that he needs you, amen, you rejoice. You're his friends. He didn't bring you out to leave you. He brought you out to bring you in. Amen. So you are his friends if you do what he asked of you to do. Amen. So Paul says, nobody stood with me, but Jesus stood with me. He's a friend. He's and his attributes and his character and his nature has got to be in us. How many friends do you got? Five? Ten? Fifteen? Twenty? Twenty-five? Thirty? Thirty-five? Forty? Fifty? Sixty? Zero? A man will have friends must show himself friendly. A responsibility is back on your shoulder. 
See? So you want to make sure, amen, that you be in fellowship. You want to do things to, to build up, to edify, to encourage in the body of Christ here. And you've got to have, as I said last week, you've got to have strong integrity uh, in this that be a good friend. Edification and all these things that, that helps us to grow. But suppose there's nobody still with me, but that's okay. Jesus stood with me. You should be excited. At least you know you got one friend. <laughs> if you got him, <laughs> you know, there you go. Who can be against us, right? So we got to make sure that we are with them. A best friend show you the right directions. They put you on the right chalk, on the right road. Come on, you're going down the wrong way. You're going down the wrong path. He wants to encourage you to get you in the right path. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Stand ye and ask, where's the old path? Where's the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest to your soul. Your friend is going to get you on the right track. Amen. He will share things with you to help you learn about the things that you need to accomplish in your life. The things and thoughts of your friend's share can not only open your eyes to new ideas, but also can show you the right directions you have to move on. Amen. Where are you going? A best friend gives you a sense of confidence. The person you consider your best friend recognizes the value of contributions to the world and help you understand how great you really are. Amen. How great are you? Your friend will tell you how good you are. They'll help you. In such a way, you become more confident as well as more self-confident in your abilities. You know, you got talents. you got abilities. Everybody has them. And God gives them to us so that we can help other people and help the kingdom of God. If everybody used their talents and abilities, you know, the way that God has given, you won't be distressed. You won't be burnt out. You won't be sad and lonely. You put it to use and watch and see what happens. The more you give, the more you give to you. So keep on giving because his word is true. You can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. Say, you, you've got abilities to help someone else. That's what you're giving it to you for. Not for yourself. Yes, you can use it for yourself, but your talents and abilities to help someone else. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run it over. For with the same measure you need, it's going to come back after you. Remember this last month we talked about casting your bread on the water? It's going to come right back on the waves. So more and more. A best friend reduces your risk of illness. My goodness. Think about this. Your best friend is the person who also has a positive effect on your health, your mental and physical. Your close pal will help you fight your disease. And when you feel his or her support, it's easy for you to handle any illness. Man, think about it. You can get through sickness by your best friend. Don't say you got to take 10, 15 pills. <laughs> Your best friend's gonna get you there. You bring your pot of chicken noodle soup with some chicken feet in it, you know, gizzard, livers, squirrel tails, pig ears, you know, chicken feet. Yeah, see? <laughs> so Courtney's going, ooh. <laughs> She's friends that stick closer than her brother. <laughs> hey, it's 
screen door suit. (laughs) But think about it. You know, a good friend is going to show up. They're going to help you through what you're going through. If they had to come and, you know, put a a warm towel on your head, if they're going to have to come over and help do your laundry or whatever, you know, that's what friends do. They come and they give you, you know, whatever it takes to get you better. They're not going to let you feel bad. They're going to do everything. They're going to pray for you. They're going to encourage you. They're going to edify you. Amen. To get you through. They're not going to leave you. You They're going to help you. Think about the good Samaritan. You know, what did he do to the guy laying on the side of the road? Binding him up, poured in the wine and oil to heal him, took care of him, paid his bill, says he doesn't cost you any more, I'll take care of it when I come again. That's what friends do. They help one another. A best friend extends you a helping hand in every situation. A best friend is always ready to share not only your good times, but also help you in tough times. Your real friends stand by your side no matter what. This is the person who wipes your tears, wipes your nose when you are crying, support you when you fall, generally offer a shoulder to cry on, and encourage you if you are down. You know, sometimes, you know, you just need someone to to hold you, to caress you. And just let you know it's going to be okay. Let you cry on their shoulder. It's okay. Go ahead, cry. Yeah. You know that's 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 what friends do. They're there for you. They extend that helping hand. Amen. What makes a good friend? What makes a good friend? You must understand how blessed you are because of having a best friend. Now you've got a person with such. Ever important traits as honesty. Say they're honest. They're they have empathy. They have humor. They support. They're reliable. They're loyal. They're thoughtful, and they respect you. And if you have a close friend like that, man, you got a jewel. You've got a jewel. But see, it comes down to us. If those are the things we're looking for in a friend, then it's got to first start in us. See, Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God in Philippians chapter 2. He simply made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross where God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ, the Lord, the glory of God. So if I want to have good friends and I'm looking for things in a friend, I have to look back this way and says, hey, Rufus, are you being what you were looking for? Say, if I have to have the nature and the attributes of Christ operating in me so that when I go out and I'm looking for friends and I'm showing myself friendly, I have a measuring stick and a yardstick that I'm looking for, you know. 
in these individuals. And if I find it, it's like finding a treasure in a field. See? Because that's what you're looking for. The more friends you have, yeah, you can have all kinds of associates, you can have all acquaintance, but what about good friends, true friends? That's what we need to build. And first of all, it's got to be with Jesus. See? It's got to be with Jesus. And if he's my friend, hey, then I can help to make other friends. And it starts with me spending time. I got to get to know you. Say, I've got to be able to observe you. I've got to see if you listen. I've got to be able to see are you telling everything I tell you? You know, you got to have these measuring sticks. Say, to be able to determine these things. You want to find some good friends. We need friends. They're there for us. They're they're there to help us. They're there to age us. Age us, yeah. <laughs> to aid, excuse us, not age us. Some of them might, but but we need someone to aid aid, aid us. Wow. Good gosh. Huh? It's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. Let's look a little bit tonight about the danger of friendliness and wrong friends. Page four on your sheet there. The danger of friendliness and wrong friends. Bad friends and, and not having friends are incredibly dangerous to our health. Go back now. If a good friend helped me with my health, without him, is a danger. That's kind of like what Solomon is saying in Ecclesiastes. You know, if I fall, I ain't got nobody to help me up. See, I get cold, I ain't got nobody to keep me warm. And he says, two is better. Three, four, quarter. The more I got, the stronger I'm going to be. See, in this thing. So bad, bad friends and having, uh, not having friends are incredibly dangerous to your health. You may not know about the physical and mental health problems that can create. Contrary to what many people think, having no friends and overwhelming feelings of loneliness are as bad as having the wrong type of friends. We need to make sure. An article from the New York Post here says loneliness is deadlier than obesity and should be considered a public health risk, experts have warned. Wow. Think about that. And everything I read and everything I see is more people are lonely, lonely, lonely. <laughs> yeah, but are they real, true friends? See, that's that's the thing. But but you know, notice the loneliness. See, so is my loneliness my problem? Yeah. Because why? I could have a whole lot of friends if I show myself friendly. See, I I can build friendships with people. If I get out there, you know, 
and I listen to people and talk with people, encourage people. Those with bad social connection have 50% increased risk of early death compared to those with good social connection, a review of studies on loneliness suggests. Researchers in the U.S. looked at 218 studies in the health effects of loneliness and social isolation. They discovered that social isolation raised a person's risk of death by half compared to obesity, which raised the risk of death by just 30%. Wow. Dr. Julianne Holt Lundstedt, lead author and professor of psychology at Brigham Young University, said being connected to others socially is wisely considered a fundamental human need. Crucial to both well-being and survival. No, I learned that when I was in kindergarten, back in the 50s. What's the five basic needs? Food, water, shelter. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) Food. Water, shelter, clothing, and what's the other? No. Social acceptance. <laughs> social social acceptance. You know, I learned that in the 50s. Are you saying I'm getting old? <laughs> but think about it. So we need to have socialization with other people. God knew that. And so we need to be able to trust one another and to help one another, to build up one another, to edify one another, and encourage one another. Extreme examples show infants in custodian care who likes human connection, contact, excuse me, fail to thrive and often die. And indeed, social isolation of solitary confinement has been used as a form of punishment. Yet an increased portion of U.S. population now experience isolation regularly. Feeling lonely is thought to make people feel worse mentally and physically, and those who are lonely tend to suffer worse symptoms when they are unwell than those who aren't. A recent survey at Grandset, the over 50 social network site, found that almost three-quarters of old people Older people, excuse me. (laughs) I had to get myself out of that, right? Older people in the UK are lonely and most have never spoken to someone about how they feel. It is also discovered that about 70% said their close friends and family would be surprised if they say they were lonely. Wow. Recent Office of National Statistics stats show Britain is the loneliest country in Europe. Well, you know, and here in America, I was just talking earlier tonight, you know, Seattle, Alaska, you know, the suicide rate is so high because people are lonely. You know, people are lonely. And what did Jesus tell us to do? Lift up your eyes and look on the harvest field for his white to harvest. Has there ever been a time to be a witness, to be a friend, 
to people. It is now. It is now. People are lonely. People need friends. People need someone that's going to encourage them and edify them and build them up. And according to the campaign of in loneliness, the UK loneliness epidemic costs businesses $26 million per year for the costs associated with health outcome and sick days. Wow. Wow. You know, and, and even one of the things they, they have now, even in our organization, is called occupational chaplaincy. You know, they got men and women that are becoming chaplains, and as a result, businesses are hiring them so that they're right on the job because of so many people are suffering with so many issues and so many things. It gives them an opportunity to be able to just talk to someone and to share with someone, you know, to help them so they never have to leave the job. The business don't lose any work days. They don't lose any work hours. And it helps the individual to have someone right there on the job that they can talk to. Because they business owners is realizing how hurting people really are. Holt Landstead also added, there is a robust evidence that social isolation and loneliness significantly increase risk for premature mentality, mortality, excuse me, and the magnitude of the risk exceeds that the many leading health indicators within an increased age population, the effect on public health is only anticipated to increase. Wow. And we wonder why the hospital is overrunning. We wonder why the pharmacy's lines are out the door. Indeed, many nations around the world now suggest we are facing a loneliness epidemic. And Jesus says, and James says, my brethren, that ought not so to be. The challenge we face now is what can we do about it? She suggests great priorities by be placed on research and source resources to tackle loneliness, such as social skills for children in school. Previous research has suggested that solitary adults report much more severe symptoms when they are were unwell. A study at Rice University in Texas found that while they were no, no more likely to catch a cold, Lonely adults felt far worse when they did. Think about that. Think about that. Amen. So we have to, we have to get to this point in our lives that, amen, we show ourselves friendly. You know, Jesus also tells us to turn the other cheek. In other words, when somebody treats you bad, don't respond in kind. You know? Do unto others as you will have them to do unto you. So if we're going to have friends, we got to start showing ourselves friendly, you know, to people. We should go out our way, you know, do our course of our day to be as kind as we can, to be congenial as we can to other people. You know, if they want to talk to us, find some time to just sit and listen. Let them talk. Yeah. Sometimes you might just have to put your cell phone on the speaker in your room or whatever and just set it on your desk. Let them talk. Listen to them. You know, sometimes if they come to your desk or whatever, where are you at? Just let them talk. 
because people really are lonely. People really need someone to talk to. And so we need to go out of our way to build up, to edify. So in your prayer time, when God lays someone on your heart, call them. Call them. You know, call them. Just say, if it's nothing else, just say, hey, just call and see how you're doing. Just want you to know I'm thinking about you. There's all the little kinds of things we can do, you know, to help people. Let them feel, realize you're not alone. Go to Walmart, buy a 99 cent card. You know, that's one thing you buy these 47 cent cards. You know, nine Walmart, 97 cent cards. You know, get a 50 cent stamp, you know, just write in the card, hey, you know, sometimes you just have a little dog or something on the front of the card smiling, said, thinking about you, whatever. You never know whose hearts you're going to brighten when they get it on the other end. Because they probably wasn't expecting it to come from you. And usually it just brightens your day to know that you've got somebody who's out there who's thinking about you and is concerned about you. Amen. And it'll help you. So we're going to grow in friendship and have friends. It starts with us. We have to show ourselves friendly. And sometimes it takes a while. I believe me. It takes a while sometimes to build friends with people. A lot of people have been hurt. A lot of people don't want to trust people. But you have to keep working. You got to get the, all the junk out so you can get the seed in. Okay? And you'll be surprised what God will do to you. Amen? For me, for me, for me, there's a mansion there for me. In 